Hello, my name is Ben. And my name is Aunt Nora. And we are the hosts of the Too Vague podcast this week. How are you doing, Nora? I'm doing just fine, Ben. Excellent. Are you all studied up on the word? Uh, I, yeah, yes. <laughs> I got, uh, you know, I go over it yeah. and go over it, and it's like I understand a minor bit about it. I think that's why we're doing, why we're kind of doing and exploring this because it's an interesting sort of concept that we both have a limited amount of knowledge about. The word today is fungible. When did you first hear the word fungible? Do you recall? Because for me, it just seems like when they started talking about NFTs is when I heard the word fungible. When you first mentioned it to me, it sounded like I, it had been something I had heard of before, but it is possible that that was the first time I heard it. It hasn't been in use very long, the word fungible, according to the Google machine. It's mostly hmm. used in legal speak and legal right. terms. First used in the 17th century and derived from medieval Latin, an adjective meaning able to replace or be replaced by another identical item or mutually interchangeable. Thoughts? Like, what do you think of well, when you think of the word fungible? <laughs> Boy, I wish I had a bag of fungins, fungins right now. Funions. Yeah, that would be fun, fungible. Fungions. Uh, I think of actually something similar. I think of Lunchables. Oh, yeah. Do you recall Lunchables? Oh, yeah. You're familiar with charcuterie. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> So, so with charcuterie, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's sort of, it's hard not to say that Lunchables didn't have some sort of origin in charcuterie sort of boards, but charcuterie is actually a custom that comes from 15th century France, which is uh, meat cured and sliced and served. But Italian meats are also similarly done in that way. Charcuterie is a French term but it's practiced mostly uh, in Italy, right? Is that um, is that your understanding? I don't know. It's very popular here. Yeah, it's, it's right now. Yeah, it's also very popular but, amongst the the millennials for some reason. They got all charcuterie crazy oh, from what I heard. From what I heard, I okay. mean, I don't know. They like the charcuterie. Well, I, you know, I I mean, I'll put out cheese and and. Uh, salami and stuff when people come over right and crackers and olives stuff like that it's probably a charcuterie board uh -huh. just like everybody else's except for me it's like here's some cheese and crackers right right yeah. at its core isn't that all it is is cheese and crackers i mean it's other stuff too right you can put right, all sorts of right, things right. on it it's just a, an assortment of snack it's, it's got to have meat right as long as it has meat and yeah. cheese is optional Meat and bread, I right? think so. Something, yeah, some bread type. Also, I think it's good to have something like olives. Yeah. Or grapes, you mm. know, to give a little moisture or something to the dry salami and stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way uh, you have Lunchables and charcuterie intertwined. Well, that's the reason I have it intertwined like that is because it's sort of, it's a mini, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, okay, so here here's a brief history of Lunchables for you, okay? Okay. Kraft Heinz in Chicago, Illinois, marketed under the Oscar Mayer brand, 
this is kind of interesting. It was introduced in Seattle in 1988, but later released to everyone else a year later. So uh, Seattle apparently was the test market for Lunchables. Tom Bailey, I'm guessing of Oscar Mayer, came up with the product known as Lunchables. And then there was a four-person team that did all sorts of testing and focus groups and stuff. This was during the time of the concept of a latchkey kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. About your mom, your parents working. And, th- and that is kind of where sort of this this idea of Lunchables sprung from. Uh, one of the guys was doing, uh, Bob Drain, one of the four-person team that created Lunchables, discovered that the primary concern of mothers, of working mothers especially, was the time it took to prepare breakfast and get prepared for their work day and lunch and everything for school. Although it was a way for Oscar Mayer to get a bunch, get rid of a bunch of their lunch meat. (laughs) It was, it was also, that was kind of, and it also, you know, the design of the Lunchables, how it's got the little compartments. They say that that was fashioned after the, the TV dinner, the American TV dinner. Really? Yeah, which kind of makes sense if you think about it. I guess. I I think of it more as a bento box. Yeah, it could be a bento box too. I agree. I mean, how else would you package cheese and crackers? You know, you could do it like in a, like in a tube, (laughs) I guess. Good product for, for what it was um, used for. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, There were some, you know, like any other product, you know, like McDonald's went through this and, and other companies where it's like, is it really healthy? And and they did some, you know, as these things developed, they started putting, you know, like more sweet things in it, and and they then right. they discovered the fat content was was raised to right. a point where it wasn't good for children or whatever. But right, right. So yeah, it's there's there are always those things with these new products, and like I said, it was it was nineteen nineteen eighty nine. That's oh boy, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. When I worked in advertising, part of Kraft was one of our uh, my clients, uh-huh. also Oscar Meyer. Oscar yeah. Meyer was, but at that time, uh, we were still doing bologna, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I that, mean, it was regular products. They didn't. Right. This was in the seventies. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I mean, around the eighties, I think it was a little bit after. The eighties, maybe into the nineties, um, Oscar Meyer and Kraft went into the same yeah. company, right? So they yeah. kind of combined, uh, which yeah, is another and, and some others. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So here we go. The term Lunchables. Yeah, <laughs> I've read this Wikipedia article where it said here were the possible <laughs> names for the prepackaged <sighs> meal. I don't know how accurate this is because it is Wikipedia. Right. But some of the names that they had were on trays, on hyphen trays, oh. <laughs> cracker, cracker witches, mini meals, uh-huh. lunch kits. Like, how would you, why would you buy a, a thing called lunch kits? It seems so clinical, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Snackables, of course. That seems pretty yeah. close. Square yeah. meals, walk meals, go packs. And uh, my favorite, fun meals with a M-E-A-L-Z. They put the Z at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fun meals. So what would you have called Lunchables? Being the former advertising <laughs> person, 
of yeah i i worked in numbers i worked in numbers yeah, yeah. but you know every once in a while you, you yeah. get a break if you you come up with this 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 is true you this come is up true. with this I name a few times yeah. yeah if you come up with this name and and you you are you are going to be rich beyond wild your wildest dreams what name well, no, would you do for no because the ad the ad, ad agency sucks up your your, um, you, you don't get any. Okay, <laughs> okay. Be that as it may, this is this is all fantasy anyway. I'm just trying to. Know, I'm I just know. trying to get you um, motivated to come up. Like, what would you call that? I have no idea. Okay. Little lunch. Little lunch. I would have called I it charcuterie. Easy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Except that. I wonder when did the word charcuterie start to become comfortable uh, uh, common. Um, in our 15th century, I don't remember. yeah, I don't know about us. I know it's 15th century France is when they started using it over there, but I don't know when it started, when it migrated over here being used. I'm thinking just like 20 years. Yeah. You just think so? Just in the uh, 20 hundreds. Huh. It's when it became popular. Right, right. Um, with us uh, lowly folk. And you may have gone to a French restaurant or an Italian restaurant, and they may have had that. Right. But it's not something that most people would serve, I mean, you know, they, they, like I said, when I have my cheese and crackers, it's like, and salami, it's, it's, uh, I never called it anything, but here's some, um, cheese and crackers. Right. Yeah. Whores divorce. Whores divorce. Yes. Or d'oeuvres. So you don't uh, like charcuterie easy? No, I do. Or charcuterific? Oh, that's even better. Except that was kind of overused, but if you did that one first. Yeah, That was in the, yeah, yeah. Would be yeah, it would be in the yeah. yeah charcuterific. So looks like I get the high end job at the ad agency for Oscar yeah. Meyer. Yeah, because you have definitely. no entry, unfortunately. Lunch things. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why they never use my idea. I was asked a couple times. What do you think? Edible uh, stuff. Yeah, right. Anyway, oh, food nuggets. <laughs> If you're lucky, yeah. What does this have to do with fungible? Absolutely nothing. Uh, it's just what I think oh. of when I think of fungible. Although, you know, I guess the food stuffs in a lunchable would yes. be would be fungible because they can I, be replaced it, by something of equal or yes, mutually interchangeable. Right. Um, and I don't know if that would mean can you change salami for bologna, no, or th- you have to exchange. Bologna for bologna. Well, it depends on whether or not. I mean, you know, like I would say, you'd have to, <laughs> to, to you'd have to do bologna for bologna, unless there is an exchange rate yeah. on lunch meat, where it's like, oh yeah, I can give you're you, right. You know, and give you two bologna, and that equals a salami or or whatever. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, yeah that's it's, probably true. Commodities. Yeah, commodities. Those are also. I would also say those are fungible. Yes, they certainly are. Anything that has a can be replaced by something equivalent, right? Interchangeably equivalent. Maybe that's the maybe yeah. that's just the way to say it. Interchangeably equivalent. Yeah, they they have used another identical item in many of the definitions. However, I I really don't think it has to be identical anymore. I think it's interchangeable, mutually right. interchangeable. Right. Which yeah. is which it's is yeah, which is kind of where, where I was going with it. equivalent because right. it's not necessarily equal. Right. 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 Um but yeah, as far as you know, like most currencies are fungible 
even cryptocurrency in its yeah. basest form, you could call it fungible. <laughs> Although there is a yeah. digital sort of signature on cryptocurrency as well. But how much research have you done on the cryptocurrency? Because I, I knew very little about it before I heard the term right. NFT right. spoken about on What's Good Games, this uh, video games oh, podcast. Yeah. yeah. And they were talking about how Ubisoft is experimenting an NFT Ooh. marketplace kind of thing where you would get oh, yeah. various in-game items that were unique. Okay. But anyway, in doing um, so. We're talking cryptocurrency, yes? I understand that cryptocurrency has value. Right. And that it, uh, uh, you don't have it in your hand. Mm -hmm. But you can use it to get something in your hand. Right. I believe. My question is, um, is it backed? What are they backed by? What are the currencies backed by? It's, you know, like ours yeah. were supposed to be gold and silver. Correct. Which isn't the case anymore. It, but. <laughs> yeah, it is fiat money. It's Theoretically, it's fiat money. Fiat money is government-issued currency that's not backed by a physical commodity. Our currency, U.S. Okay. currency, used to be backed by gold, but that right. stopped, right? So right. now it's it's fiat money, and most money is for countries. So there is really, oh, I mean, yeah, right. so what's actually backing it is not, it's not anything specific. It's just the code. It's just the blockchain. It's just the, the, the data stored on it, right? There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing really backing it per se. It's just, um, whether it's how it's much, strange. yeah, it is kind of a strange thing because it's very new. It's a new sort of it, thing. It's very new and I'm not. <laughs> And, and, and that, it, you know, it takes a while to adjust to some things. Right. I know it exists. I know people talk about it all the time. Right. Uh, I, if somebody wanted me to invest in it, I, it would be like, uh, what? Yeah. Put money into nothing? Huh? Right. Um, do you know what it reminds me of, though? What? Me, uh, the way I feel about it, my dad, your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Coming from the Depression and before, he wanted to pay cash for everything. Right. He did not want to get a checking account. It was a, um, well, well, I was, yeah, I was probably grown up in college or something when he got a checking account. So I was maybe 20 and I'm the youngest kid, you know. Right. Um, and he only did it because mom forced him to. Right. Same thing with a, a credit card. Okay. Mom wanted one, but at that time, it had to be in Dad's name. Oh. Man, you know. Yeah, that's... Uh... And, and it, it's like Dad didn't like the idea of money not in his hand. Right. Which, I, I mean, I, I kind of understand. Yeah. I think... I but think... that's kind of... I think That's how I think about the cryptocurrencies yeah and i think you know you can you can not even when it comes to currency i think a lot of people um you know i'm going to dip into gaming a little bit but people want the thing right people want yeah. the physical copy of the game they don't want a digital license that says okay you have access to this content install it on your system a lot of people yeah. from the older days of video games even some people currently, they just want the physical thing. 
even though it needs to be registered and licensed and, you know, like anything else, but it's, it's something about having the thing. And maybe that's similar to the money part. Um, wasn't there, wasn't there a part of distrust in the banks? Wasn't, wasn't there some, some sort of financial, Um, there were some financial crises that probably sowed a little bit of distrust in the banking institution. He didn't, he didn't stick his money under the mattress. I mean, he put his money in banks, but um, it was like in in 1929 when the stock market uh, fell at that uh, time that started the depression. Actually, right. people went to their bank to get money out, and doggone it, Wasn't there was there. no money there. Right. And so a lot of people during the 30s, and uh, probably carried on to the 40s and stuff. Uh, didn't trust banks. Right. And for some reason, dad was okay. Maybe that, um, oh, I don't know, what's that thing that FSDA, whatever, I don't know what it is, but it guarantees your money up to a certain amount. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the insured, it's federally insured now. Yes, yes, yes. I probably just talked about meat or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's... (laughs) Yeah, it's USDA, grade A yes, money. Yes, yes yeah. money. Yeah. Now it's, but it is sort of, yeah, it's one of those, um, it's federally insured. And I think with the complexity that's that's risen out of a lot of those crises, one of the problems, yeah. it's become too complex for people to understand. I think I talked to you about this yeah. show that I saw, The Problem with John Stewart, which there is yeah. no, yeah, there is no comma there, I think. John Stewart needs to invest in a comma, maybe. But anyway, the problem with John Stewart, the show, and it has different like high level sort of topics, very similar to our show, except we oh, like yeah. to we like to keep it light in general, you know, keep it on the mm-hmm. let's let's investigate, let's not assume we know everything about whatever subject it is. But John Stewart, as a comedian and also as a um, you know, a, a, a news personality, for the lack of a better word, right. from his the, previous days. In, in UK, they call them presenters. Presenters? They're not exactly news uh, newsmen. I mean, yeah. Well, he had way they are, but they're presenting. Yeah, he did. He, I mean, that's the thing. He he did have the Daily Show, and the Daily Show was, was right. sort of you know kind of comedy slash political commentary. Right. Um, uh, right. And you know, I've listened to some of his stuff. I'm a big fan of John Stewart as far as his, in general, his his commentary. I don't always agree with him. I don't always agree with where he takes something, oh. but it's just kind of like he does a lot of thinking about it, and he's very politically minded. And you know, to some extent, that's yeah. that's yeah good. He did a show on the problem with the stock market, and what they did oh. was they talked primarily how convoluted the system is and how people do short sales and and they you know they they do things that mm-hmm. they try and they're betting on the the stock failing and when these this group of people who went on the boards who organized this mm-hmm. thing through Robin Hood to all inflate the price of GameStop uh-huh. stock do you remember when that happened Couple of years ago. I remember you talking about it. Yeah. Under normal circumstances where businesses, if businesses were to do this, it would be inflating yeah. the stock price. My understanding yes. is it's done exactly the same way. 
John on his show basically said, well, they've exposed this big, you know, this big problem. It's a complexity, but every system is going to have ways you can game it. What is the benefit to people? Yeah. I think the benefit is people would understand their investments. However, if people understand their investments, what are the accountants doing? There's a balancing act right. there. What do you think about the stock market? Is it something? <laughs> okay. I'm laughing because, you know, I've spoken to you before about how much I love economics in college. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with even, you. Even the second time I took it. Right. It was... <laughs> I mean, that's, we, when, like I said, offline, we've had this discussion and the discussion yeah. basically is for me, microeconomics was always like, okay, so this happens if all other things are equal and everyone said, oh, it's going to get interesting in macroeconomics. And it just didn't. <laughs> um, I do have a little bit of knowledge as far as taxes, as far as, you know, accounting oh. because of previous jobs that I had yeah. where I had to have a little bit of knowledge in all these areas and right. know what a balance, Correct. you know, I know what a balance sheet <laughs> right. is. I know what a profit and loss is. And I know how important investing in your future is, especially with people of your generation starting to retire, the baby boomers mm -hmm. and how right. the pool of money, which apparently doesn't matter, <laughs> doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what our deficit is. Anyway, I don't want to get too political. Oh, right. But what I'm saying, <laughs> but right. what I'm saying is, I understand a couple of basic principles. Anything based in math, right? Anything you know, still the yeah. thing as far as capital gains issues and things like that. How they formulate that kind of stuff is a little tricky for me. But it's based in math, so I kind of get it. I get percentages. Mm. I get interest. Well, I, of course, I get percentages. Right. I get interest. Um, but, I mean, I understand it, but I, I, but do you go to horse races? Not unless I'm dragged there by someone else. Okay. Or the, or a, the casino. Yeah. I play, play machines. I don't, I haven't done that for ages, but okay. I play against whatever, uh, algorithm, um, the machine the people, is Valley or whoever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, put in. What are your thoughts on the stock market, a gambling tool or a problem that could lead to gambling. Do you have any thoughts well, on that as far as the stock yeah. market is concerned? I think that you need to know what you're doing yourself or find somebody that you trust mm -hmm. who can help you um, with your investments. Right. Uh, I, think, I think for a while there, I don't know if it's still happening, but for a while people were trying their own um, uh, investing uh, for whatever reason, maybe like the horse races. Oh, that's a nice name. I think right. I'll invest in that one. Right. Um, well, I mean, that's, know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's sort of what <laughs> this program that people use mostly to um, to do the whole inflating the price of GameStop stock was called Robinhood, which has a little bit of irony to it, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, right. Robinhood, Guilty it's basically the, the way they, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, Sorry. they don't give to the poor. They just basically no. take from the poor. People who think that they can play the stock market and, you know, watch it every day. People who do work in the stock market professionally they watch yeah. factors. They have some knowledge about how 
you know, extraneous sort of factors can impact the value of their stock or or certain companies making sure that, you know, like you read the news on whether there's some sort of a crisis that they're dealing with that may affect the price. Right. But, but right. in general, I mean, most of my, it's a matter of balancing your, your long-term and short-term investments. It's not a thing where you play it every day to get rich, right? Right. You, you, you right, don't right. have to, you don't have to do that. You just have to be aware and I think what something like Robinhood does is makes it so accessible to people who don't regularly do this as a job and sort of promises yeah. the fact, sort of promises, like gives you the hope that you can possibly win the stock market, right? Kind of like a gambling <laughs> yeah, app. Yeah. And I think that's incorrect. Right. But there are, I mean, not everybody does that. And um, what a lot of, people, especially boomers, um, and generation, what are you, X? Yes. Xers better start thinking of this too, is you, you don't put all your money into a high risk. Right. You diversify. Uh, account. Yeah. Yeah. You diversify. And as you get older, you find that you're taking less money out of your risky accounts. I'm right. taking more money out. Yes. And putting it into the, uh, more sure. So far, I don't think I have anything that's, it's, just sits there. I right, mean, right. yes, you're always going to get one and three quarter percent, uh, you know, right. um, there's money, always going to be some like, little risk. Right. Like money market or something. But, but I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. when, when you do that, it's, it's very lower percentages, right? Whereas if you have a professional, uh, person or company handling your stocks and stay handling yep. your portfolio, for general stocks or for a 401k, you've kind of, you know, you're kind of banking on them knowing how to yes. manipulate the system. And I think that's yep. part of the thing is, you know, there there's a problem with the complexity of the system. But the thing is, it's also designed to work this way. And it benefits people. It benefits, you know, not just people who are, you know, yeah. too are rich, but people who are saving up for retirement. And as as long as you get the correct person to help you, right, right. And uh, I think there are enough honest financial advisors right. out there, yeah, you know, that uh, do a little research. Yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah. So. Yeah, either that or a bigger yeah. company, but that's the thing too with banks. It's right. Like, you know. Well, you know. My financial advisor, quote, invests in different companies. I mean, right. I have a couple of different accounts I'm in. Yeah. But then the people there invest in different yeah, they, options, I guess. Right. It's a diverse, yeah, it, it's diversity in your portfolio is essentially what it is. When people say you right, want a diverse right. portfolio, you want an assortment. You don't want to right. um, do what, you Risk know, like. It all. right. Or, Right. Although, you know, you're or less put $50, likely. In and, yeah, yeah. You know, you're less likely to make short term big money, but long term, it's a better proposition. That's the thing. It's like the stock market at its core has a gambling element, but it's also, it's not Agreed. just short term. And I think when you have more accessibility to the market, people get the idea that you can win the stock market 
which is right. you know it's it's like predicting the weather it's like anything else it, exactly exactly you don't know what's going to happen no right. matter how much you know there's always that uh, little bit of um, there's an x factor there's there's something yeah. there that doesn't always you know you don't always consider yeah perhaps uh, maybe a, a war breaking out yeah or maybe, even though i'm sure people in the know knew that war was going to break out some time ago right yeah. Oh, well, anyway, let's not go there. Yeah. Let's not go there. We don't want to get too political. <clears throat> no, because um, it pisses me off. Um, <laughs> but uh, how much more are we going to talk about economics? Let me tell you what I learned in economics. Okay. Give me your, your top three economic lessons. Top two. Oh, you only top have two? two. <laughs> yeah, I have the supply and demand pretty well, too. Supply and demand, and there was another one that went with that. But But basically, I learned that when you talk about gross something gross income right. uh, is what most people know of here's it's the big one gross is big right in french right and net is the smaller one net is what happens when all of the little parts fall through the net okay like taxes and insurance and stuff and so the net is the one what's left after all the crap falls through the net so it's smaller <laughs> Okay. But that's what I learned. <laughs> that was... And supply and demand. And that's my economics stuff. And I find, I found people that I trust to do my uh, financial stuff. Unfortunately, as we know, I have to bring information to those people. Yeah. And if I don't fulfill that, I can't blame them. Yeah. Right. You know, for not doing their job like for instance taxes and accountants taxes that's a that's an interesting thing we, you know what let's let's hold off on a little <laughs> bit of a tax discussion sure. what i want to do though is i want to kind of go over some terms of cryptocurrency and nfts to kind of tee yeah. up and i know you know you said you don't know a lot about the financial part of this so i, I did have a chance to let you know what fiat money was did you know what that yes. was? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I had heard of it before, but I had forgotten. Yeah. Once again, that's currency that's not backed by a physical commodity. Uh, cryptocurrency, which, what, what is your definition of cryptocurrency? Money that's not really there, but it has value. A digital form of currency. It only exists right, digitally. Right. It doesn't exist physically. It relies upon a cryptographic sort of key to prevent counterfeiting and fraudulent transactions. Yeah. Blockchain. Um, exactly. That's that's the next word, <laughs> which is essentially a blockchain. Can you explain a blockchain? To me, it's yeah. a flow chart. Okay. I, and that's how I, mean, well, I see it. It's like a flow chart of what's happening to your quote money or values. Okay. Um, and it's, it's uh, something that people can check mm -hmm. so that you're not going to uh, cheat the government or who, well, whoever else is involved. Yeah. It's, it can be checked on. Yeah. It's, um, but it's just, it's a, like a spreadsheet. Yeah. Only to me, just like a, one row okay. of a spreadsheet. Because that it's goes a, on and on and on. Yeah, because it's a chain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are some things with the blockchain as far as the way it actually works coding-wise, but in general, it's it's basically, like, I think of it as a ledger, like a general ledger that 
over the course of mm-hmm. the lifetime of whatever this thing is, you record what action or whatever things or transactions that occur. So, it, you know, like you said, it, it keeps on building out this ledger and making it longer and longer, yes. hence chain. Well, I have a question. Yes. Can you make a hard copy of it? Can you make a hard copy of a of of a what of of a blockchain? blockchain? No, you can't yeah. make a copy of it. It is unique. Everyone is okay. unique. Yeah, that's the okay. So here, right. here's here's an interesting fact about cryptocurrency. Since every one of those things is unique, and it points whoever the owner is, right, has sort of a, a digital sort of signature. Uh, yeah. They estimate that Bitcoin. I forget which news outlet and this is an estimation anyway you you don't have solid figures but they think that 20 percent of all cryptocurrency as far as bitcoin is concerned is lost meaning it had an owner and then digitally it lost that owner that owner doesn't have it anymore or it's just floating out there and no one owns it so in that, how could that happen? Well, that's that's the thing. It, it you can't claim it because the blockchain says it still belongs to this person, but they don't know yeah. that they own it. They don't know it's still out there. There's certain wow. when you're trying to transfer. There's you know, um, like let's say you're trying to transfer cryptocurrency from one denomination to another, one type of cryptocurrency to another. Right. Okay. Generally, when you do that, you can do it with a crypto wallet. And the crypto wallet is basically mm-hmm. what keeps your keys and all your information on where this, you know, the the addresses, uh, you know, of where yeah. the things are located, the digital part of the asset, where it's located. If you transfer your currency of one denomination into an account that has a different denomination, it disappears. It That's what it does. It just goes away. Nobody should be transferring it if they know that. Well, that's the thing. They shouldn't. But people do that accidentally. <laughs> they, oh, they, okay. they, they they transfer the, the um, someone oh, who can okay. only accept one kind of currency. You transfer your money to that oh. person. It's in the wrong denomination. It just disappears. Okay. It, it Okay. No, it has no owner. <clears throat> now, that's not the majority, yeah. I mean, of... Right. What happens right. with this with this cryptocurrency as far as it disappearing, but it's it's an interesting sort of you know, at least in the physical yeah. currency sense, if it gets lost, someone has it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean Yeah, right, right. But as far as the digital, it's you know, if something gets messed up in the blockchain and you get removed as the owner and there is no owner to oh. assign that's interesting. That's my understanding. Yeah, that's my understanding of it. So my dad was right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he uh, wanted that dollar bill in his hand. Yeah. There's also uh, something that they call crypto mining. Oh, no. It's a competitive process kind of that verifies and adds new new transactions to the blockchain. But it's essentially what it comes down to is solving equations mathematical equations, very difficult mathematical equations. It sounds that it's based like it's a contest, but but I mean I think it's yeah. it's done on a level that's in in code. It's you have a, you have the hardware to do this to unlock the puzzle, right? You have the the cycles. Yeah. It's not like you're you have your whiteboard and you're writing out the the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean that's you know right. 
it, it, that's what it sounds like to me when when you when you say this is a competitive process of solving a mathematical equation to you know obtain currency. That's what it sounds like, just like a math quiz. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sounds kind of confusing. Confusing to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the whole thing is. Yep. Um, with money, especially. Yeah. But value. Hmm. Yeah, speaking of uh, value, let's get into yeah. the, let's get into the non fungibles. Yeah, the yeah, non fungible yeah. token. Yeah, which is a unique um, digital identifier that cannot be copied, substituted, or subdivided, recorded correct. on blockchain, and is used to certify authenticity and ownership of a specific asset yeah. or rights to it. Well, that and, that is a misnomer because because you don't have the rights. Copyright is yeah. something separate. For in, yeah, in I US was reading law. something about that. Yeah. In U.S. law, there's, you know, it's like I can put an image that is copywritten, but, you right. know, what do you do? <laughs> what does a company do? That The law hasn't been written quite yet about how to handle that kind of situation. Right. Um, right. Which is, right, it hasn't. I knew a lot to go into. A lot of litigation may may occur, but it's like it's all digital. There's, you know, how do you how do you show your ownership? You can show them the code, or you can show them how do you do this. Um, you might I, one of the I did find the thing I read okay. about in uh, in an article on NFTs, and okay. it's um, it's worth noting. This is quote. It's worth noting that owning an NFT of anything is not a copyright on the content itself. Yep, exactly. It's merely proof of ownership in the digital realm. Correct. So, yep. Hoping it will become more valuable. Right. But that has, yeah, and that, that has nothing to do with the copyright, right? Whether it becomes right. valuable Correct. or Correct. not. Um, right. There was, uh, you know, and people, are, I think, are. Right now, what they're doing with NFTs is they're trying to, you know, like they're experimenting with raising funds. You know what I mean? With NFTs, like making money with them. But the process yeah. itself is very complex um, <sighs> and has many different storefronts. One, yeah. okay, Anyway, there's something, um, there's another thing that is sort of related to transactions and NFTs that is called gas fees, but it's only for Ethereum and the Ethereum blockchain. Um, okay. Okay. Um, it, Ether is money in the metaverse. It's Ether cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's a, it's a cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The so Ethereum, I'm, I assume, has to do with that. The Ethereum Ethereum is the blockchain. Okay. Yeah, okay. Ether is the cryptocurrency. Um, okay. And fees that are paid to the miners of the Ethereum's na oh native Ether <laughs> cryptocurrency. I know this is this is kind of like it's it's called there's what's called a gas fee, and the gas okay. fee is what you pay to do the basically solve that <laughs> solve that that equation. To, to get the, you know, to add the wow. next block, right? So there is, you know, and all these companies, like from what, 
the the problem is the energy the amount of energy it takes or actually not the amount of energy it takes but the amount of energy you know how much energy costs wherever they're doing their uh-huh. computations uh-huh. and so Jeez. people yeah this this is slowly starting to get, to get into territory where a lot of people say the carbon footprint this and the carbon footprint that yeah but, yeah but you know like what exactly it's a process that's using gas or fossil fuel fueled powered computers and that's the problem is the fact that it takes a lot of cycles to oh, process okay. this stuff okay. to figure okay. it out and you're using electricity so they really are talking about a carbon footprint yeah if not some other no no it's actually okay. literally uh, you know it's it's where how much work it takes to do this and how much electricity yeah. is my okay. guess okay yeah um yep. Yep. which is you know part of the it's called a gas fee as far as Ethereum is concerned, but people can apply gas fees to other cryptocurrencies. They just yes. call it, but that's that's basically where it originates is it's a model by which this currency is mined, i.e. you're solving yeah. those puzzles to do the, <laughs> to add the next block. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's very, <laughs> very, very complex. Um, yes, it is. So let's get into the more, the less complex port part of this whole thing. You mean the part like, uh, I thought we were going to talk about bored pandas or bored, bored apes, bored apes. Oh, you bored mean pandas, you know, think bored apes and crypto punks and stuff like that. We're oh yeah. We can talk about those guys. Yeah. If you, if you want to talk about that, that's fine. Yeah. No, no, that's cool. Because this is part of what we're, we're, talking about here um the part where you can actually you know like if you want to create or post your nft on a on a public marketplace one of the the largest right. out there uh, is called OpenSea, and OpenSea was the oh, okay. first and largest nft marketplace uh founded in 2017 and it offers more than 2 million nfts for sale <sighs> on the it's Ethereum, just... Polygon, and Korea-based Clayton blockchains. So there are different types of blockchains, okay. right? Right, um, right, right. How, well, how much would you pay for a uh, cartoon of an ape in leopard skin smoking a pipe? Me personally? Yeah. No, nothing. <laughs> so why are people why are people paying hundreds of thousands, millions? Uh-huh. Of dollars for this? Um, It's, it's, it's maybe part of it is the gambling nature of the stock market or gambling in general. They're expecting the value of this thing for whatever reason to go up or the value of whatever it's attached to, to also go up. So, you know, like if you purchase it in Ethereum or whatever, you you know, it's, it's just basically you're buying the stuff to sell it back or because you like it. So like a painting, I would say, you know? Right, right. And um, some people buy it because it's like, oh, look what I have. It's a status symbol. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I have this. Um, and in fact, we, what was the, the, there was an article that was sent to us about restaurants, the particular restaurant. Oh, yeah. The uh, pizzas. Yeah. About how they had yeah. a unique 500 different pizzas Essentially, what they were doing was raising money. I think is there eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight unique pizza designs. Yikes! Supposedly, this guy 
was um, taking a dive because of the uh, pandemic. Right. And wasn't getting what wasn't getting his business was going down. Right. And so he just decided that that he would uh, start doing one of a kind. But he also does physical, one of a kind, physical and virtual. Okay. So from what I understand, you mm-hmm. can go there. And in addition to having the token in your virtual whatever, you have the pizza or a slice of pizza. Okay. That's, and you can eat it. Well, you can eat the pizza, but not the token. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I, I guess you can eat it if you lose the, t- you know, the, you know, yeah. uh, speaking of losing, like if you lose that. But what is the benefit to to the con- to the to the person who purchases that? I mean, is it free pizza for life? Is it? And you get any extra thing, or what is it? Is it just? I, I, no, I think it's just a slice of pizza and the token, token, the NFT. Saying it that, is a token and not yeah. the thing. Yeah. Saying yeah. that I ate and, this pizza, or a slice. Or I, yeah, I own this, and I own this token. Right. Uh, this piece of art yeah uh you know i i was thinking about art and you know how it's hard for people to get into a new like when new art comes Mm -hmm. so many people just don't want to have anything to do with it they think it's stupid dadaism uh surrealism Mm -hmm. um well pop art i mean there were so so many classically trained art people yeah and they just thought that that stuff would soup cans are you crazy that'll never go anywhere and maybe this is a new form of art well i mean that we're just fighting against because it's so obscure the thought is so i don't think it's a new form of art per se what i think it is is a new form of storage of said art entirely digital art that is yeah. One, one owner yeah. be that or it can't it doesn't have to necessarily be art it can be a movie it can be any kind of media right. it can music. be anything it can be music right. right in fact there are some people who have uh, musician musical artists who've sold you know like special tracks as an nft right. to certain people right, right? Uh, other than you know you have the piece of art that you can whatever you know saying that say right. that you own it um, other than that, it's, it's just basically a matter of you, you hold on to it until you want to, want to sell it. Until you want to sell it. Exactly. Right. I mean, it's like any other physical piece of anything. Right. Um, right. And the, the thing, the, the one thing which you might be going into, if you sell a piece of art, yeah. say for instance, if, uh, I sold this uh, Paul Sierra that's on my wall. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get rid of it and I sold it. Right. Um, I, I sold it to my friend Phil. Mm-hmm. Paul wouldn't. Paul wouldn't even know. Paul Sierra wouldn't even know. Right. It was sold. Much less mm-hmm. get anything from it. And the one of the things I'm taking from the NFTs is you get the artists get something from the secondary sales. Yeah. It, they and can, the tertiary sales mm-hmm. and on and on. They can they can set that. Yeah. It depends on it depends on the uh on the digital marketplace. But when you okay. create when you when you mint a, uh an NFT, part of the fees that you pay are associated with how 
complex this this chain is how you've when you mint an nft one of the things is you can establish how much um like a percentage that you take the company takes a percentage of of the sales of course you know the the digital marketplace will take a percentage and then you can specify how much you take as far as when it transfers as far as open sea it's it's about it's up to 10 percent of whatever the sales are but you just basically when you mm-hmm. sell that it just goes right into your digital wallet so you know what maybe okay. maybe maybe now i can just maybe i should just go over the general sort of cycle of what happens because you you, you mentioned it's like well the artist gets some of that but that's set up in the blockchain it's, right when right. you it do the minting right yeah in, in some of these things there are fees associated with setting up i was going to okay uh. so here here's an idea that i had just to kind of figure out the whole process kind of like i did with podcasting Dun, uh-huh. dun, dun. Uh-huh. <laughs> but just to kind of figure out the whole process and how it was done, I was going to go through the process myself. But part of the problem is the fees involved can be upward of, and this is not just minting. It depends on the thing. What I was going to do is I was going to take a graphic, a graphic I was going to design that was a, a very famous author. And he has a t-shirt on that has a mushroom with a circle around it and a line through it. And that author, who I'm caricaturing, yeah. is... Am I supposed to guess? Yeah, guess. I, I don't have a clue. It's, it, well, anyway, the graphic is my non-fungible Tolkien. Oh, non-fungible my God. Tolkien. So I was uh, going to do that. Either yeah, that or, or do a Ringo Starr as a goat, you know? <laughs> Yeah, or yeah. do whatever. But I was going to do something and come up with a graphic. And then yeah. what you need to do is you sign up for OpenSea. You need to connect a digital wallet. There are physical digital wallets that you can get that's basically like a little piece of hardware okay. to store all of your keys and all of your NFT information. But there's also digital. And I was going to just do um, – Coin Wallet is one of the ones that is the one of the main ones, but you know, like OpenSea uh-huh. will use various kinds of wallets. So you have to connect your wallet, and there's a fee associated with connecting your wallet, which can be yeah. somewhere in the neighborhood yeah. of seventy to three hundred dollars. So you know, it's just kind of like there are a whole bunch of fees in addition to the gas fees, and also we're not even getting into taxes. <laughs> Right. Uh, but, right, right. But anyway, so so what happens is you get your digital wallet, right? Preferably the one that says "bad motherfucker" on it. Uh huh. Right. Do you get the reference? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> so you get your digital wallet. You connect it to OpenSea or whatever marketplace you have. Then what you do yeah. is you go through the process of minting, or you can do what's called lazy minting, which is basically you don't pay the fee until you sell it for the first time. Ah, okay. So you can do that, but I mean, there's still fees associated with that. Yeah. Because the the reason why the lazy minting works is the actual process doesn't take place until the sale is concerned. So where the blockchain, right. you know, itself doesn't get altered. Right. But if you mint a, an NFT that costs costs money and that's generally like in the case of ethereum Mm -hmm. it's gas fees 
that you pay, but there's also okay. Um, okay. a cut that OpenSea takes on every sale. You know, there are other fees associated with that as far as transfers, like if you're transferring from one currency to another or doing something like that. Right. There's a whole bunch right. of different fees associated with the whole process. At the end of the day, and we're not even talking about selling your NFT yet, you've already right. put hundreds of dollars into that thing. Now, right, right. if you look at the OpenSea marketplace, <laughs> you will see various people who have done their artwork, but it's like they've got collections. There's one yeah. which is Drunk Girls, which is just a different okay. a different uh, caricature of a different drunk girl with a different hairstyle and a different drink in their right. hand and different thing. But those, there are thousands of those that are minted by this company. And whoever yeah. buys it, and transfers it and, and set buying and selling of this stuff. They set it up, you can set it up in a, in a marketplace and put it out there for people to buy. But it's like each time it sells, you take a cut based on how you set it up. Honestly, yeah. as far as me, I mean, there's no reason other uh -huh. than just to do it, just the process. But I mean, it's like right. there is no other point. Right making it and maybe selling my one painting that I've ever done, hanging in the internet, the intermet, if you will, uh -huh. the intermetropolitan <laughs> museum of art. Yeah. It's an interesting sort of thing. I just don't understand how it's, what, what the popularity is right now. Well, I don't either. And it's it just um, seems like status. I mean, like status and some people think they're going to make money, you know, like works of art, increase in value right. uh, as time goes on or if somebody dies or something. Yeah. Um, but I, to me, it's just too uh, ethereal. You yeah, know, it's, it's like not, I want it's not tangible. something tangible. Yeah. 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 Yeah, tangible, yeah. Yeah, the um, tangibility is not something you get with that. But maybe, no. you, maybe you get that tangibility and if you go into the metaverse, I mean, maybe. Maybe uh, your maybe your NFT becomes a fancy sweater that you get to wear in the metaverse or whatever. But I mean, I think that's true. maybe maybe that's where they're trying to experiment yeah. with this kind of stuff. Maybe that's where it's going. Is things that if you inhabit the metaverse at some point, you take your stuff with you. Uh, but I think that's not for everybody. That's oh point. no no. I mean no. Some, somewhere they talked about Gwyneth Paltrow and. Uh, Justin Bieber and Reese Witherspoon and Kevin Hart and all these, you know, they're, they're the ones who are buying there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Jimmy Fallon the, was talking with, yeah. you know, right. people, uh, guests about the NFTs that they bought. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, yeah, mm. it's a luxury is what it is. And it's, yes. you know, people are, yes. there's a sucker born every minute. I mean, that's, I, I really don't, yeah. it's, it, maybe it's the, high-class version of the pet rock. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I kind of understand it. I understand collections. But, you know, right. even with something like, there, there is an NBA, uh, a series of NBA NFTs based on a, a, you know, built on a certain NFT marketplace. Different uh -huh. currency, very specific, very closed environment. And you buy these, like you buy packs of cards. Like you buy packs of bubble, you know, like b baseball yes, cards. Yes, yes. Did you right. ever? Did you ever collect anything like baseball cards or anything like that when you were younger? I did not. No. Your father did. Did he collect baseball he had, cards? 
Yes, he did. Oh, wow. He had uh, an enviable collection because it was from the uh, mid-50s. Oh, wow. Early to mid-50s. I mean, there were a lot of heavy-duty baseball players then. Yeah. Mantle and yeah. And he had a, a good collection. When we moved. <laughs> it disappeared? Moving. Yeah. Things just. What an unfortunate. So, yeah, I didn't, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, you, you're keeping everything in pristine condition. Another concern right. with NFTs is is digital degradation. I mean, they, you know, oh. how long how long are they going to stay around? Right? How long are these things going to be in digital form? If you copy and paste them over and over again, at some point, what's going to happen? Yeah. To the, you know, these are all big questions that I, I think only time will tell, right. and and what's going to happen with that. But. This whole thing with the NBA, you know, you buy a pack of, quote unquote, a fictitious pack of things, and then you store it in your collection, and you go to the marketplace and say, I've got a Michael Jordan doing a slam dunk from the three-point line or whatever, and, you know, you put it up for a sale price, and then someone else will buy it for- I want to see that, a slam dunk from the three-point line. Uh, Wait a minute. You know- Did he have a really long arm? Okay, so so let me just say this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was sorry. I was I was at a game with dad. Oh. Where yeah. we saw one of the Okay, so <laughs> I forget who it was. I don't want to say maybe it was Judd Bushler or someone, but it was like they were playing a game and they were 30 points ahead, right? So it's okay. in the third quarter. They've got their second stringers in there. They're just letting letting them play. And Yeah. You know, at one point, one of the goofy white guys decides he's going to try and do a a slam dunk from free throw line, which is what okay. Michael Jordan okay. used to always do. This is the slam dunk from the free throw line, and this was like really yeah. that impressive. Yeah. So he he actually did it, and then Michael Jordan goes, "No, no, no, no," and he's like, "Put me back in there." <laughs> and I swear to God, I swear, yeah. it seemed like he took off. At least the top oh. of the key. I mean, it was so much further. You know, uh, it just it felt. Yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah. y- you don't know what those things in your memory. It's like you know, you kind of right, build it up. Right. But everyone, the crowd went nuts when Michael Jordan just yeah. like <laughs> did yeah, that yeah. on top of the tall white guy doing his slam dunk, going, <laughs> "Hey, look at me!" <laughs> and Michael Jordan goes, "No, right, right, right. I'm not having any of that." But anyway. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is, you know, it's a digital collection of things. Uh, And it's true. How long is our digital stuff going to to last? Yeah. Have you heard of LimeWire? LimeWire. It's from the early 2000s. Okay. It was a place where you could get music and and, uh, a lot of music piracy went on and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So that was also like like Napster. Napster was also another big Yeah, kind of. Yes, yes, yes. The only thing with this uh, LimeWire, you didn't know for sure. If you entered something in, you didn't know what you were going to get. Let's say they say uh, Lips of an Angel by Hinder. If you if you entered that, mm-hmm. uh, you might download that. Or what might come is malware or hard hardcore porn. Right, right. Something or else. So I've heard from my cousin in Canada, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Yeah. But they're trying, they are, they're going, hey, let's do NFTs on this. Oh, that, boy. They got kids that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. strange. Also, Generation Z, mm-hmm. 82% of Generation Z thinks NFTs are a scam. Yeah, and honestly, they might be right. I mean, it's it seems yeah. it seems uh, like it, it is all based on the stability of whatever the network is that's hosting these things. If, right. if, if you've got a marketplace that's a fair marketplace, then of course it right. could be, yeah, but that's the, that's the problem, right? <laughs> is right. Right. is right. it a right. fair marketplace? Are the companies held accountable for things that happen um, with these, you know, with these NFTs? Yeah. And, and I don't um, think that's the case right now because a lot of legislation hasn't been built out yet. The other yeah, I thing, think it, it's something that just popped up. Yeah. And it's too new. But it's too new amongst millennials as opposed to too new amongst the Gen Z. Yeah. I don't want to disparage Gen Z, but I don't, I still, <laughs> I still don't, I don't understand. I mean, is TikTok, I, that, it, I don't get oh. TikTok. I don't get a lot of things, but you know. Right, right. I mean, that's just kind of what happens. Before we wrap up with a quick game question yeah. about NFTs. I mentioned briefly taxes. Now, here's the thing, and I know how much you love taxes and know about yeah. taxes. <laughs> One of the tricky things that I've always had problems with as far as, you know, I, I have a basic knowledge of how to do my own taxes. I do a very easy, you know, I do the easiest form. Right. I don't have right. a lot of right. assets, so it's really easy for me to do mine. Well, the NFT would kind of throw a, you know, throw a wrench in that because everything you buy as far as cryptocurrency, there are a lot of tax specific rules. Once again, very new, so it's not written out yet, uh-huh. but right. anything cryptocurrency or NFT is treated as capital gains. So you have to hold on to that for more than a year or else you're paying fees for your short-term capital gains. And then there's also capital gains and losses and the way those things are computed, like I said, very confusing to me. But it's definitely no guarantee. And I'm I'm pretty sure that, you know, with how it jumped during the pandemic, we'll see after this tax season concludes, but I have a suspicion that the government is gonna be cracking down on a lot of that stuff. Because I don't think people are claiming those as assets, crypto or otherwise. Correct. I I think I've even read some things about the government needs to get into that more. That's the first time I've ever Mm. said that. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what this needs? You know what this complex problem needs? Government regulation. That is exactly exactly. what we need here. Exactly. But I mean, yeah, you know, in one sense, I understand that it does need some sort of, of legislation, but that all is regional. China, from what I've heard, has banned all NFTs because they are doing their own. They're doing their own oh, sort of okay, currency sure, and, sure, sure. and whatever. So it's a yeah. local-based sort of thing that they're they're doing their own digital currency. It's right. going to be different everywhere. And part of the reason why, I guess, they they created this was to have a market that wasn't reliant upon governments but that's just a ridiculous notion i think i mean i, I think, think so. you know yeah um the government's always going to get involved yeah if they can make some extra money on it uh or whatever or mm-hmm. define it the way they need to then and, and i couldn't in like going back to that example of me also trying to do my own minting my own nft i was right. i was down for doing it 
but with the currency, right. it's like I've purchased the currency uh, that isn't taxable. But as soon as I start paying fees, as soon as I start uh, making transactions, that's when I start having to record yeah, capital yeah. gains. And it's not going to be a huge amount for me because I'm just doing one. But I don't want right. to. I don't want to deal with that. I'll just draw my right. my non fungible J.R.R. Tolkien, right, and then just right, put right. it on put it on a graphic for a, the show. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Um, I don't need to. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't I like need that. digital ownership. <laughs> but anyway. Right. 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 Um, yeah. <clears throat> so. And who would? I mean, you can do all you want, but how do you know you have a market? And what happens if that market collapses? I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> The, yeah, what happens yeah. uh, if, you know, something, hit, uh, God forbid, uh, some sort of, a, you know, electromagnetic pulse yeah. knocks out, knocks out uh, a significant yeah. portion of your computers? I mean, that's what happens yeah, I'm then. I'm familiar with that, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's a question, too. I mean, with how yeah. secure these networks are, there's always right. the possibility you're going to lose this. It, it depends on where it's stored. If you restore it locally on your own thing... Right, you could also right. lose that too. I mean, <laughs> even if it's stored somewhere up in the uh, uh, digital etherland, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, places get hijacked. Uh, right. Electric electricity for all of New York. Right. Uh, you know, if they can do that, they can do other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Computer. I, I think. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> And and either the the the, the legitimate hackers are, are lying in wait for their big payday possibly yeah um, or yeah. I mean it's yeah. just like once people get all involved and start collecting all the beanie babies you know yes. that's when crime <laughs> yeah. that's when crime starts going rampant that's true so there have been talks of the gaming industry getting into this sort of thing and by gaming I mean video games yeah um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on digital collections in video games that are unique per person? I don't know if it would be worth what you have to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I play games just to be in my little uh, zen land. Right. I don't think I need to and, represent my person in a very unique way in, in my digital right. world, right, on, in a game. Correct. Correct. I'm unique enough as it is, and so just me interacting. I, I you know, yeah. It's it's something. Yeah. I see what's happening. That I think I told you about loot boxes, um, loot crates. Mm -hmm. There are certain games where yeah. you, um, you know, Electronic Arts got into a lot of litigation uh, issues and and some other big name players yeah. because of parents and other countries australia is very strict about their gambling kind of laws ah, um, okay. they basically said that if you yeah. you know like anything having to do with odds even like a pack of cards oh. right it is gambling according to their definition and so yeah. a lot of lawsuits have been brought against electronic arts but uh -huh. they've been dropped lately it's like it's not yeah. a good look for them because people are thinking they're being cheated by this whole system. It's designed for them to just make lots of money. So it's like, well, loot boxes are bad because of that. But if that's the problem, I don't think, you know, 
you're yeah. the, a lot of the game companies are saying these are all cosmetic items. It's not gonna. It's not a pay to win scenario. So so anything that we have right. is an NFT. But then what's the point? It has no value, right? Right, right. You know, I, I think we just have to wait and see what happens. It's and true. It's true. We just have to wait. Um, five years, ten years. Maybe. Electronic Arts has already said that they're not going to mess with it for obvious okay. reasons because they had a lot of litigation involving you know these loot boxes being gambling. Um, now um, I do have, I, I think I got a, the article about LimeWire uh -huh. I got from a PC magazine. Okay. Um, and they also have a thing here that says GameStop is going to start selling NFTs <sighs> later this year. Okay. And you were talking about GameStop and their yeah. uh, stock manipulation <laughs> or right. whatever. If they're going to do that to stay afloat, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I don't understand. It's like Blockbuster. I it's know. like it's the end of your era, okay? Yeah. GameStop. Yeah. yeah. You either change right. your business model now and become something different or, and, and, yeah. and that's fine if they become an NFT marketplace, they've got to go all in on that and close all their game stops and don't sell video games anymore. I, I just think that this is, they're just throwing things at a wall and, and seeing what yeah. sticks yeah. at this point. Right. It's like right. there were, there were announcements before the pandemic that they were switching to like gaming cafes and then the pandemic hit oh, yeah. <laughs> and then right. they're like, well, that's not <laughs> happening for at least another three <laughs> yeah. years. So yeah. I, I don't um, know. Yeah. That's change. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a, yeah, but I think you're absolutely right. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. I mean, generally what yeah, I think about I it is I pay extra money for cosmetics and games, but I don't yeah. expect anything out of it. I don't, I don't want to, you know, right. it's like, it's not like I'm going to make money off of selling it. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Although there, yeah. <laughs> there is, there is a thing uh -huh. in one of the games that I play called Warframe, which you've heard me talk about a lot mm -hmm. of times mm -hmm. where you buy this currency in the game. And this is the way it's always worked as far as, as long as I've played the game, but you collect parts and, um, parts for, prime frames, which are only available either for purchase or you have to grind for them. So by grind for them, I oh, mean, okay. you know, when you, as you play the game, as you beat certain bosses, you get drops that sometimes include, um, these designs that you build to build your frame. So you need, you got like three yeah. parts and a, and a, and a plan for the frame. Well, what you can do is you can, basically say hey um you know you, if you're in a clan you can say hey i want to sell this i've got a nyx prime uh full frame all the plans all the parts you just build it i've got it i'm selling it for x amount uh -huh. of platinum which is the in-game currency and yeah. so there is no market per se but there are some things that are rarer than others and some things that you right, know if you right. want to buy it if you want the frame but but the the thing is you get that frame out of it you actually get something functional right yeah and so it, I guess the currency changes hands but I mean you know you could also right. get the same thing by grinding for it spending hours and hours and hours looking for the parts uh -huh, and building it uh -huh. and all this stuff uh -huh. but I mean there's a there's a certain like an in game market and and the the only thing I don't okay. I don't think 
this is going to take off unless there's something they say, oh, we're only doing cosmetics. It's there's got to be some other value. There's got to be some in-game value to it in order for me to pay for it. If I don't get anything in game, yes. I don't I don't know why I would want it. Like I one of my games yeah. that I play, you know, me and my match 3 games and right, stuff. Right. Right. But I could purchase a cat suit. Ooh. It's so cute. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'd be going through my game in a cat suit. Okay. But it doesn't do anything. No, it just and it, it costs costs me money. Right. Like American dollars. Yeah. And part of the deception as far as those games are concerned is those are microtransactions. That's another thing altogether uh, where it's like, oh, it's just a buck. And then you pay a buck. Yes. And then you go, oh, yeah. okay, this is just a buck. And then you pay a buck. <laughs> That's another one of those insidious sort of things. I'm not going to lie. I've spent a couple bucks on things here and there. And it's like, I don't want to put that I, into QuickBooks or Quicken or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so, I don't, uh, I mean, I never give my uh, charge card when, at the beginning, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, you can do, and I just don't because I know I would just go, okay, click, okay, click. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, on that so, note, you're going to, you're going to yes. continue not using NFTs. <laughs> yes. And maybe not understanding them. <laughs> and also, the next time we talk, yeah, I want to talk about the metaverse. Okay, we'll do, we'll do that. When you're here live, maybe we can do that. The metaverse. Yeah. yeah. Metaverse and other strange stories. It's almost like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. It just sounds yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it just sounds Parallel. so dark. But anyway, thank you, Nora, for going through this exploration of what fungible <laughs> means. It's very confusing for me as well. It is. So. And thanks for the economic lesson. Oh, you're I welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Never wanted it. Against my will. <laughs> <laughs> if you need any other methods of torture, I can provide yeah. those yeah. next time you visit Tucson. Yes. So anyway, yes, yes. thank you okay. very much for joining us, Nora. Yes, I thank you for having me. And to close the show, my name is Ben. And I'm Nora. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Take care. Goodbye.